0: This is The Shift Podcast.
1: Today on The Shift Daily Podcast, how do you take a garden and turn it into something special? Well, director Ian Taves shares his new series, Visionary Gardeners. Looking at what makes a garden special, it's not really what you think it is. Yes, it's not always perfectly pretty. It could be pretty, but it's the art of gardening and the people who create the gardens and the experience while they're in them. It's cool stuff. TikTok and Netflix are not available in Russia as the war in Ukraine rages on. Ryan, as the millennial on the radio, takes a look at that. And some bizarre storylines surrounding the new movie Batman. And a thumbs up or thumbs down if it's good? Well, it's good. I'm not going to reveal. But it is also not good for everybody. So you got to listen to it. Plus, are you okay with movie theater popcorn and watching Batman With a bad man. All of this and more on the Shift Daily Podcast.
0: This is the Shift Podcast.
1: I'm Shane Hewitt. It's time to check in with Ryan O'Donnell and the Millennial on the Radio. The Millennial on the Radio.
0: It's Ryan O'Donnell. Oh, there he is. Well, it's been all it's all a while since we heard the ding.
1: It's a brief journey into the uh, deep into the mind of Ryan O'Donnell, and it's kind of a cool start, Ryan, because you're going to take us into some of the social media changes mm-hmm. around everything that's going on with Russia more. I realize it doesn't end the war, but it it certainly puts the squeeze on everything that's been happening.
0: Oh, 100%. But before we even talk about the the changes, let's talk about how important detrimental and uh, aggressive TikTok has been throughout the war in Ukraine. From the minute it started, people were posting videos of the war on social media. I mean, think about this. This is a conflict that lit- you can literally watch happen live mm-hmm. thanks to this app. And, and and not just TikTok, there's other apps. Um, now, that's not all good. There are Plenty of fake videos out there that uh, don't portray the truth at all. There are very graphic and terrifying videos that nobody should have to watch. And then there are constructive ones that uh, are interesting, provide perspective, whether it's talking to Ukrainians on the street or just showing the devastation of the war. Regardless of how you look at it, TikTok is important in this war. And we'll, by the time it's over, the retrospective of how we use social media in times of war is going to be a very important conversation.
1: Are you aware of any age filter on some of those nasty videos that are out there on TikTok? Yeah. You know how sometimes you get like this, you know, graphic warning on other services like YouTube and stuff like that. You can get some graphic, must be of age, must mm-hmm. log in, da,
0: da 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 da. Are you
1: aware of your experience of TikTok that there is anything to stop that
0: stuff? TikTok has that built in. Now, it doesn't always catch all of the videos, but if it's flagged as something that might be disturbing, it asks you if you want to watch it. Uh, Now, I'm not sure if... uh, You have to be 13 to have an account on TikTok. I don't know if you can put in... Parental guidelines to make sure that you cannot. And I imagine you probably can make it so that it wouldn't even show you the videos in the first place. You have to say you're 13. You don't have to be 13. You have to just say you're 13. Exactly. Yeah. The access is there.
1: I'm worried. I'm worried. Like when you say that, I'm worried about because I saw a thing on the BBC where they showed a guy. And they said it was graphic and everything else. I mean, it really was nasty. It was a picture of a soldier that was there and half of his head was gone. Like, it was ugly. Yeah, it was and brutal. I worry about that being seen by young
0: kids. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you have to see that. Nobody needs to see that. I mean, there's this weird urge that you want to look. It's like oh, you can't unsee it. Side of the road, but you cannot do unsee it. it. That's no, why I don't go on Reddit. It. Um, so anyway, yeah, TikTok's been... Uh, and I I uh, avoid the memes I find it very disrespectful, people making jokes about it. That's another conversation. Regardless, though, it has been very important throughout the conflict from just getting the information out and in because we know that the Russians are trying to limit what Ukrainians can get when it comes to information inside of the fight zone. So with that in mind, TikTok is putting the squeeze on Russians. TikTok is now unavailable. In Russia, in pretty much all respects, you have a bare baseline, like beta version of TikTok that you can use. And it's not just TikTok, actually. Netflix also was the other big tech tech company to suspend their services. This all happened on Sunday. Uh, here's a great little summary of, of some of the reasons and all the inner workings uh, from Reuters. <laughs>
2: The list of big-name companies cutting ties with Russia grew longer on Wednesday. Among them, Netflix has paused new projects in the country, while fashion outlet H&M and tech company Oracle have suspended all sales and operations. All are following in the footsteps of exits by global brands like Apple, Shell and Boeing, leaving Russia while often bluntly condemning its invasion of Ukraine. Oracle's announcement on Twitter came just hours after Ukraine's digital minister tweeted directly to the company for support. The deputy digital minister, Alexander Bornyakov, told Reuters they've reached out to dozens of companies since Sunday to try and isolate Russia and get its citizens to question their government. So we're trying to work on on all fronts, not just, you know, like uh, trading or or social media, because we believe that um, everyone in, in Russia have to realize that this is just really barbaric.
0: So... Just to give you some specifics, uh, now Netflix did not specify a reason, except it only said it was reflecting on circumstances on the ground, Uh, and it had previously said that it would not air Russian state TV channels. Now, for TikTok, Russian users can no longer post new videos or live streams, and this is important. You, if you are Russian and you want to go on TikTok, you cannot see videos shared from anywhere else in the world, only within Russia. Which, see, but I don't think plays, that works in the favor. No, it plays directly into Putin's hand, but exactly. you also can't post anything new. So, see, but here's
1: the thing though is that this, this is what I'm worried about, Ryan. i sorry, you can finish your thought if you need to, but nope. No, this okay. is what I'm worried about. TikTok's owned by a Chinese company. Mm-hmm. And you can only see what's been posted from around you, right? So it's creating the bubble and you can't really post a whole, but I don't understand because they say you can't post anything new. Then who's posting? And I'm, I'm cautious. And I realize I'm being a little bit conspiracy here. I'm cautious that they're going to allow the Russian feed of the Russian news only on TikTok to those people. Now, we've been talking about this outside of that, right? As like, hey, they're TikTok's doing amazing things. They're stopping everyone from posting in Russia. Well, what's the impact of anybody in Russia posting right now, really, when you think about it? So I get the squeeze that it puts on and maybe I create some doubt like, hey, how come TikTok's got to shut down if the government's just doing good things? If they really wanted to have an impact, they would force feed the Ukraine info into Russia. Right? Well, yeah, the... yeah.
0: I think the complete lockdown is pretty tight. But it, it's worth noting that uh, the the main catalyst for this was actually not exactly the invasion. It was the fake news law, which is this new law that Putin and the government have enacted. Where basically, if they think you are spreading fake news, which mm-hmm. the government can see as whatever it wants it to see, you can get well. They're deciding the news. Years in jail. 15 yeah. years in jail. So uh, TikTok is a place of nonsense. I mean, I love it. It's a hot mess. It's great. But there's a lot of nonsense on there. And like the Russian government could have <laughs> like, I could get arrested for just you posting could, silly stuff. If you go there. If, so it, yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, imagine if you're a Russian national who's moved in you maybe you're a Canadian. Now you've got family there and you've been sharing things on social media, right? And now all of a sudden you go back to see your family, your name's on the list. When you get to the border, clink now look what's happened and you're you're a canadian right going to see family this is the part where this all scares me right is that i don't don't buy it i get the good spirit of the tiktok part but i really truly don't buy that it's in the best interest of anyone else it's a chinese-owned company and why would a chinese-owned company try to stop russia or stand up for ukrainians they wouldn't now maybe optically they're trying to look good around the world i truly um I truly, and I, I hate to be pessimistic and I, I feel really crappy in my gut, but something stinks about this to me. And I think that you're bang on, Rye, when you say that about the, the, the go to jail stuff, that maybe they don't want to get tangled up with everyone going to jail who's a TikTok user or having no. the Russian government come back and say to them, hey, by the way, we arrested 10,000 people for spreading misinformation on TikTok. You have to understand the government is deciding what the news cycle is right now. The government has also decided what the value of the ruble is inside Russia. The government has decided that they're taking a 30% commission on any international money. So I just, ah, it's scary, man, but I do like that. Netflix has done it.
0: Uh, yeah. I think like I, uh, most companies, big companies are putting some, pretty I mean, you can't buy Nike in Russia right now. Like it, oh, it took me it, three for, months to buy it
1: here really. So why, why doesn't Nike just do business yes. anyway and just continue Fair to slowly enough. deliver it three months later.
0: Look, I, I love millennials. I think we're a, we're a strong crop, you know. But if there's one thing I think we, we're all known for, it's that with things we really like are taken away, we do complain. And right now, Russian millennials that know that the war is nonsense and a complete waste of time and life are just getting pushed further and further away from supporting their government. And I mm-hmm. think that this kind of stuff is really gonna start to backfire against the Russian government down the line. I don't think it's gonna have the immediate impact we need and want right now, but it does this kind of squeeze I think does matter. And I think we won't feel it for a while, but it is it is worth noting for sure.
1: Yeah, well it's a good point, Ryan. Uh it's the millennial on the radio, Ryan O'Donnell. You did go to the movie this week. I you did. promised us earlier that you would talk mm-hmm. about this. You were off on Thursday. Steve Stebbing chatted about this on the shift. Uh we had fun at your expense because you were going to the movie on Friday. Uh, that's not why Ryan was off on Thursday. No. <laughs> just so you know, so we can avoid the review of Batman. How did it go?
0: Okay, well, let me just set the let me just set the scene with how beautiful this movie is uh yeah one of the most anticipated movies of the year and my life is out it's now the batman is here fear is a tool when that light hits the sky
1: it's not just a call it's a warning
0: when i tell you that this movie was so good. Oh my I can't even put it into words. <laughs> it was incredible. And if you if you don't like superhero movies, this is not a superhero movie. This is one of the reasons why Batman is my favorite. Because he's a hero, but he's also a crime he's like a detective, right? And this movie was like trying to catch a serial killer. There were moments in the movie theater where you, you know, there was there actually one thing I really missed about movie theaters is when you finally get a full grasp of the Riddler, the evil villains plan, there was an audible gasp in the theater when people realized oh. what the actual full plan was. It was terrifying. There were moments like if you have young kids, I might not show them this movie. It's pre- it's actually pretty scary, uh, especially in the first half, but fantastic fantastic movie but i'm actually not just here to nerd out about how great this was
1: before you get serious though can i just play the batman thing so yeah
0: please 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 thank you i'm batman thank you he he doesn't actually say robert pattinson who plays batman does not say i'm batman the entire movie oh that's a failure because he's going by vengeance because that's what he is and the whole kind of movie is him trying to figure out am i batman or am i just this vengeful hateful Avengers. it's awesome yeah it's pretty cool but in the meantime let's talk about a weird storyline that's happened to this movie no surprise quote in light of the humanitarian crisis in ukraine warner media is pausing the releases of its feature films in russia including the batman so again if you're a millennial who loves batman and you live in russia you can't see it now for interesting perspective on this Jeffrey Wright, who plays uh, uh, Constable Gordon in the movie, uh, he did an interview and he basically said, I think everybody should see this movie, even in Russia, because he's like, they this movie can show Russian youth and Russians that we have freedom here and we have access to do it, you know, express whatever we want through film and art. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. It's an interesting perspective, but it is kind of like, you know, you also want to make some money, but he did say it's not about the money, which hmm, I love Jeffrey, right? Don't get me wrong. Um, but an interesting kind of side point. And the other thing is we were talking about AMC theaters in the States earlier in the show. Uh, they might be trying to sell their popcorn in other places, but if you live in America and you want to go see Batman and go to an AMC theater, you have to pay more money to see this movie. Oh, They are experimenting with... Uh, variable pricing for their movies: some cheaper, some more expensive. With uh, Batman being about twenty dollars a ticket. Now I paid twenty five for two IMAX tickets in Canada because I have a, I have that Cineplex card that gives you a little discount, um, but still. Raising the price for a movie, I hate that. That's keep it the same price. It's always been that you pay more if you want to go to the you know the nicer experience theaters. But variable pricing, I understand. It's a three-hour movie, you, but come what,
1: on, translate the are that. Be filled. I suppose, but then translate that. I mean, if you're a Vancouver Canucks fan and the Ottawa Senators come to town, no, wait, it's better than that. If you're a Vancouver Canucks fan and the Montreal Canadiens come to town, no, well, then you get a cheap you ticket. Can't. You can't do right? that
0: joke anymore they're in an absolute role right now they're, I know. they're playing good you can't Dude, do it too
1: little too late uh but <laughs> if you know if uh sydney crosby comes to town or you know nathan mckinnon comes to town do you charge more for that ticket mm-hmm. no Man. you don't
0: no you don't you don't know the experience you can't guarantee it like mm-hmm. you don't people are not gonna like batman people are gonna love it right so i think that's a kind of a it's one of these things where apparently they do this in europe that's what amc is justifying for the best seats in the house you know pay more uh oh that doesn't bother me oh yeah paying more that's fine for good seats no that doesn't bother me. but for playing just to go see the movie more uh that's not a great way to encourage people to go watch the movie in the theater which you absolutely should this movie's beautiful nerd out This is The Shift Podcast.
1: I'm very excited to share with you some information about a new TV show that launches on Monday night. Really cool stuff. Here is just a little bit of a clip uh, from Visionary Gardeners. You should be able to walk into a garden and have a sense of something. Calm,
2: excitement, you know, it should kind of draw out some emotion from you
0: they're just the most delicate looking little things and yet they'll sit there in the most baking hot spot with no water and they won't even flinch
1: gardening conversation here on the shift that often you know gets tossed about especially with our good buddy uh handy andy Uh, ian tapes is here with me on the shift and now ian i have this question to start um with all of this it's quite simple as a director and producer, co-producer in in shows and making these kinds of things, which by the way, like the shots are just stunningly beautiful. Um, So at what point do you go and you walk into your garden or something in the backyard and you're like, you know what would make riveting television gardening? (laughs) How do you come about to this idea? I mean, I think that there's an awful lot of people who like to uh, live in this world, create in this world, find peace, especially in today's world. Uh, But at the same time, Not really the most uh, riveting concept until you start to shoot it the way you shot it and tell those stories. So how did you get started with this? Yeah,
2: there's there's quite a long origin story, I I would say. We've been making documentaries for getting close to 20 years now for Canadian television. Most often those have been related to nature or food or First Nations things or art. And uh, so those kinds of things that are contemplative sometimes or related to the natural world. Those are themes that often recur in the work we make. Uh, a few years back, we uh, teamed yes. up with another guy and my wife here in Victoria and came up with a concept for a series called Ageless Gardens. And that was about, it was quite specific and it, it's still specific because we're still doing it. And it's about um, uh, aging uh, in the garden and how, how uh, gardening helps us with aging. And it's a, it's a lovely show. We've been making it for three seasons now, four seasons starting right now. Um, but it's very specific to the idea that gardening aids us as we age, aids our health, aids our spiritual well being, that kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, the long answer I'm getting to is that the Visionary Gardens concept was kind of a springboard from that. It was kind of a spin off. As I was making that show, I was out in the field a lot, especially the last couple of seasons. I've been working alone. Like, I shoot everything myself. I'm the cinematographer.
1: Oh, really? Wow, well, I didn't know that.
2: Yeah. So, I was. Uh, a lot of times alone, just me and the gardeners. And I I sometimes would have really great conversations about why they do what they do. And we would, you know, get into really bigger ideas and philosophical ideas, but those didn't necessarily have a place in that ageless garden series that we were already doing.
1: Right. Okay.
2: So the aha moment was, wait a minute, maybe there's another thing we can talk about
1: and more to be found.
2: Yeah. More to be found. So that's, that's where the idea arose. And then we went to our friends at uh, vision TV who are, the primary funders of the programs we do. And they said, yeah, we like it. And the way we went.
1: <laughs> well, there's so much to be had, I think, that we misunderstand, especially when you look at it through that, you know, excuse the pun, lens, um, that the you, you really start to see a... Uh, like the philosophical level, you see, obviously, big, beautiful gardens. Uh, There's a sense of community to that, right? There's obviously a sense of family to that. There's a sense of creation to that. But there's also a sense of escapism and philosophy. And you probably could uh, weave in a little bit of faith. And, and all of that stuff really gets kind of gets deeply taken into this. And yet, you present it in the way, um, you know, of these big sweeping shots, I, I can't, the, the shot that stays with me the most was at the beginning of the seeds and time episode which is you're on top of the rocks uh you know overlooking kind of see the ocean it looks like the ocean down over there maybe it's clouds uh but and then the side i don't know if the sun is rising or setting but it 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 um it's low to the horizon and it's just it's just a stunning um vision of you know rocks with sprinkled in with some plants which that mm. uh, goes to show that gardens in that particular one um aren't all the same like gardens don't they're not all the they're not all just perfect you know um english arist uh, aristocracy sort of um these big gardens of these these estates it's not all like that
2: yeah 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 no no we definitely look for any kind of tangent or departure we can make from the from the standard garden um concept so that can be visually or in terms of what we talk about like we have mm-hmm. a we have a pretty great conversation with Adrienne Clarkson, our former governor general, and her husband, John Ralston Saul. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, well, we toggle back and forth between the two of them, but uh, both of them just get into these like rich, although, although really simply presented, but extremely rich ideas about what gardening just means on a human level. right? Uh, for John Ralston Saul, it's connecting to kind of colonial history and and, and uh, European history of Canada and how we came here and how Canadians as a nation, we're kind of born and who we are, and it's like it's kind of profound stuff. But he, he brings it across really simply and while he's sitting there digging in, in his in his flower bed, right? Like mm-hmm. it's all there. You just kind of had to work for it. And then the same thing with Adrian Clarkson. She just talks about her identity and who she was and and uh, how that connects to you know kind of work ethic and life and beliefs and and uh, she's a very spiritual person. She's a practicing uh, Anglican Christian. So she connects that back to her Christianity without being, you know, really dogmatic about it. So, you know, I just kind of let these people really open up as much as possible. And lo and behold, we have these uh, really compelling stories, all always coming back to that garden context. So sometimes the gardens are very front and center, and sometimes it's, uh, you know, very tangential or, or really big and sweeping, like you alluded to. The one up in the, in the mountain range here in, on Vancouver Island was just... I mean, everywhere we looked, we we're just like, "What? Yeah,
1: shoot that, shoot that, see this, shoot that." <laughs> you couldn't shoot anything wrong,
2: you know. Every yeah. time we pointed at the camera or the drone, it's like, "Oh my goodness, like this yes. is ridiculous."
1: So, what about you, uh, here, Ian? Did you, um, you live in Victoria? So, I'm going to stereotype you as being um, uh, gardening by nature. Just because I'm sure that there's grass outside your house that's probably green right now. And when outside my house, I have snow and brown grass. So um, now has this inspired you personally to get into this understanding that gardens can be so much more than pretty flowers and well clipped grass?
2: yeah it's almost inspired me too much because i've encountered so many different gardeners doing so many different things and getting you know tips things that we have on screen that you hear and see uh but there's also things that we don't even that don't even make the cut that i hear about And yeah i'd say i'm too inspired i I have too many ideas you know i could really follow through with them i'd have to retire
1: (laughs) what a good problem though hey
2: Yeah. 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 But I still need to.
1: So there's that. Yeah. Well, there's that, there's that whole working thing. So let's, well, Hey garden comes in handy for that part too, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Um, So tell, tell me about your favorite here because there, there, this is a really wide scope of work that you guys have done. Um, You know, there are some gardens that are very uh, rock driven and wild. Mm -hmm. And then there are some very well, uh, well well-cultured, well-crafted, uh, really pretty things too. So, uh, for you, Ian, with this conversation of the visionary gardeners, what, what, well, what's your favorite? What's your favorite garden that you saw? What's the favorite story that you can tell us about? Oh, um,
2: yeah, there's so many. Well. I- I mean, I hate to single anyone out, but I, I can I can maybe give you a rundown of a few of them, and I,
1: in no particular order. <laughs> yeah, oh, this is, sounds like we're talking about children, but yes, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're that's right. Nobody's my favorite. You're all my favorite.
2: Yeah, they're all favorites. Certainly, like we like you mentioned, and I've already talked about going up on top of the mountain and filming all that stuff, and knowing mm-hmm. that we're. We're, you know, we're looking at these massive vistas. You can see both directions on Vancouver Island from where we were. You could see to the left, you could see uh, the inside, the Strait of Juan de Fuca, the Salish Sea. And on the other side, the Outer Pacific. We're standing, looking left, look look right. Like, ha, ha. I'm sitting there just pinching myself. Like, I'm doing a show on gardening? What? I mean, that was pretty, pretty special. A lot of work, a lot of effort for a fat guy like me to climb that mountain, but we did it. Thanks to my young, intrepid friend, Luke Connor, who shot a bunch of the drone stuff for us as well. Um, Yeah, that was a a spectacular episode to make. Um, We really enjoyed spending time with, as I mentioned, uh, Clarkson and Saul in Toronto in their beautiful little garden. So carefully built, narrow little space, but so philosophically profound. You know, my head, you know, being around people that intelligent for days I mean, you just kind of have to stop and take a breath because everything they say is so compelling um we had some really good visits um uh, up island up vancouver island with chinchel cabrera who's a who's a uh naturalist and a, and a, a plant botanist and herbalist and really had all kinds of information passed on about how plants lead to healing which was uh really special and then it all comes together we see it actually manifested in the people that come and visit the garden um i really liked our our friend tiffany Grankow in winnipeg because i mean it's winnipeg right how do you go right. to winnipeg and, and three-week gardening season yeah, you got a three-week gardening season but she proves <laughs> she proves quite otherwise like she is an intrepid uh, little lady she just keeps on plowing through we see in the film she's digging up carrots in december she, really you know oh yeah she's just wow. constantly going year-round and then when she's not uh, harvesting food. She's out preparing food and we see a really uh, nice manifestation of all of her efforts uh, later where she um, makes pemmican for underprivileged people in Winnipeg and then goes and hands it out to them. Really? That's pretty beautiful stuff and really, you know, really warms the heart to see that kind of generosity of spirit. I mean, everybody's just awesome. And our last episode with uh, Tom Hobbs, the legendary florist who's world renowned for his, his designs. He's just hilarious. Just Everything he says is funny, right he's just got such a great sense of humor, and then his counterpart in that episode is is a guy named Brian Bixley from Toronto who um it was just so profound, like discussing his life and how long he's been in the garden. This is a man who is an economist at the University of Toronto for his living, but yet he's, yeah. he's just profound insights into gardening really, and hey? life and how it all ties together. And, you know, I've neglected other people because there's 10, and I've probably mentioned about six of them, but uh, that's by no design. It's just I can't mention them all. There so...
1: Yeah. That's so cool to hear that, you know, sort of the left brain, right brain thing kick in, and then this this show about gardening is not really about gardening, but still squares lands squarely on, on gardening, right? So it, it is kind of neat, and um, uh, I think that, you know, my takeaway from this and from what I've seen so far when I got a little a sneak peek was... You know, it's 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 gardening as a project is one thing. Gardening as a way of being, um, as a creation, is, is another. Um, you know, that sense of community is, we're starting to see that, I think, a little bit more and more. And, and I'll give full credit to uh, Handy Andy, where he has a community garden in his neighborhood uh, that, in fact, is too successful because the kale is too big. The lettuce is too big. Like, through the course of the summer, it's almost hard to tame. So use that as the example of, you know, this world is truly just waiting for us to create with it. And uh, here you are, you've started to create an access point, at least a, a portal for us to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Visionarygardeners.ca is the website if you want to check it out. Um, tell us about the shows because Monday is the official, Monday night is the official release of it, right? On Vision TV? Yeah.
2: yeah wow. so one episode per week. The first one is Monday the, the 7th. As we mentioned, the episode where we climb the mountain with Paul Spriggs from Victoria, uh, and his counterpart his counterpart in that episode is David Young from Toronto. Uh, David has David's a well known playwright as well, playwright and novelist. Uh, he wrote a play about Glenn Gould. I think it was called Glenn, but I'm going to butcher the quoting, but I think that's what it was. But he's he's well known in certain circles for writing and uh, playwriting. Uh, so that one's. Our first one off the top, lots of rock in that one, obviously, because David takes us to uh, his cabin out on uh, Georgian Bay. So it's all Mm -hmm. shield, big sweeping views of uh, the lake, which looks almost like an ocean.
1: Uh, This is so cool. And um, I I just, I acknowledge the depth. I think that that was my surprise. When when we received info about this, I was like, oh, cool, gardening. That's interesting. And then when I saw what it was all about, then I, I went, oh, yeah, this is... This is so much more, but still fundamentally, you know, fundamentally some of the ideas and creations of what gardening looks like in so many different ways. I love personally I mean I love the notion of a garden. One thing that I like about uh, you know the Brits is that they still call call the backyard a garden yeah. and and I think that's I think that's kind of lost on us Canadians. We get lazy with that language, and I, I find that if you just look at your space, like your poster stamp of life, whatever it is, as just as a garden. Um, it doesn't necessarily take the same look of a, a place to occupy versus a place to create. And I, and as a words guy and a word nerd, that to me would be, uh, that's an exciting view of this. And I think you've given me that, That's cool.
2: I like that. I like the idea that you that they're creating. And I, I like that you take that away from it because one of our guys who I mentioned earlier, Brian Bixley talks about that. He talks about, uh, gardening being maybe the most uh, developed of all the arts and the, the, the most, uh, comprehensive of all the arts. More so yeah. than painting or novel writing. right? That's kind of profound stuff. And he backs it up with his words when he describes it. Um, but it is, it's a very creative process. And it connects to something that we really, we all have in us, right? We're all creatures. Us humans have been strolling around on this planet for uh, a few millennia and, or more, quite a few more than that. And, um, you know, we were, we had no choice but to make a connection to the soil and, and, and harvest the plants and learn how to do that and learn how to, Uh, take care of the plants and also the the animals uh, Uh to survive and so it's it's no surprise that people can kind of tap back into that very easily and it's an it's no surprise that certainly during COVID a lot of people have got back into gardening and you hear that everywhere the garden centers are out of plants and they're out of fertilizer and they're out of soil and they're out of tools and I mean this is probably happening again in the next couple of weeks here with uh, spring coming on but it's because people that's kind of who we are at the base. We, we sometimes forget that, but uh, we're we're. That's one of the again, not to be too repetitive here, but I think COVID has helped us kind of reengage with some of the things that we probably value but forget that we value.
1: I've always had this opinion Ian, that um, people love vacations, these all inclusive vacations, and you know we all look for that escape. Yes, it's nice to go to a pretty place, but to me, we take our shoes off, right? It's the first time that we take our shoes off in a long time. When we sink our feet into the grass, we sink our feet into the sand, and we sort of get regrounded back to the earth, and then we feel better, and we have this experience like, yeah, man, I got one. I need it. That's beautiful, and who doesn't love palm trees in a beach? At the same time, though, moments like this, and you hear gardeners say that, I just need to get my hands dirty. I'm just going to go get my hands dirty. And then that grounding sort of happens again. And yes, this is my hippy dippy self, uh, which is funny for a guy who, um, you know, (laughs) loves business and and owning business. But at the same time, I I think that you, we often miss that, just the simple access to maybe who we are or should be or could be or anywhere you want to, to land that one.
2: Yeah, I think so. I, I remember when, um, when our son was born, I remember, you know, all those little moments when you have little ones, you know, they're just so, they're so fascinated by their own fingers and they're, anything you hand them, right, you hand them a, you know, a pea and they're looking at it, they're fascinated. But I remember taking our kid out in the soil and just like watching him explore and digging around and seeing ants walk by and him looking at the ants in the soil and showing him an earthworm for the first time and showing him a plant. I think it was probably just a weed poking through the soil and just a marvel in his little tiny eyes. You know, it's like, that's pretty special. And I I always try to remember that when I'm looking at the garden, I try to remember what a kid would see. Like, especially, you know, that's basically a baby. What would they see and why is it fascinating? And then as they get older and more verbal and more inquisitive, they start to ask, how does this grow? Why does it grow? And you say, oh, you just put some soil and a seed and some water. And they're, you know, it's like magic. It is magic. And when when I talk to these gardeners, some of these gardeners are, you know, 80 something years old and they're saying the same thing. They're saying it's magical that the soil can do this. So to hold that kind of belief in your mind for eight decades, like something to it,
1: something to it. Check out the show. It's uh, it looks remarkable. I've, I've seen an episode with a sneak peek. Uh, visionarygardeners.ca if you want to check it out it is on um vision tv uh starts march 7th runs every week after that and uh more than just gardening but i gotta tell you the shots and the views are worth it even if you're not into gardening just do it for the scenery and uh and uh and maybe a little philosophy uh buried behind it too thanks so much for being here ian haves is a director and co-producer of the program hopefully we'll talk to you soon
0: all right This is The Shift Podcast.
1: All right, Ryan, let's uh, let's dig into some of these stories we have. It's called, Are You Okay With?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, you went to the movie this weekend, didn't you? I did go to a movie this weekend. Are you okay with popcorn? Oh, movie theater popcorn. Yeah, it's. I think it's like the best, right? It's, it's like, never been it's duplicated. Movie, it, yeah, it, you can try your best, and you can tell me that you're... Your parents have like this secret recipe at home in the pot. Yep. Great. Or even Jiffy Pop. That tastes good. Yep. But it's, it's not, not the movie same. theater popcorn. Nope. It's just uh, the, only, the only problem with movie theater popcorn is that I am guaranteed to knock over my bag at least once during the movie and spill oh, yeah, that like guy? maybe a quarter of it. Happens to That's me every not time. Okay. I'm clumsy. That's it's not just okay. guaranteed. Yep. <sighs> well, it is perfect. It is the most amazing mm-hmm. of the treats.
1: And when you go to the mall, that's why I always love the kernels stores, right? You could get some of the popcorn, the butter salt mm-hmm. or whatever they call it, and then you can take that home. Now, I am a purist with the popcorn. Uh, if you like dill pickle salt on your popcorn, we can't be I friends.
0: Uh, cheesy dill uh, from kernels is my absolute yeah. favorite. I prefer normal, yeah. but that's it. That's the only flavor of popcorn I'll do. Well, we'd like to
1: announce that this will be Ryan's last show on the show. Yeah, I figured. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Popcorn is the best. It absolutely is the best. AMC, now the movie chain down in the States, loves their Mm -hmm. popcorn so much, they're going all in on the popcorn. So aside from selling it in their hundreds of movies theaters that they have, when you go to, you know, Give your ticket, get your popcorn, go into the uh, movie theater. They've now decided to sell their popcorn in stores. Now, a feature presentation. Oh, Mm, very well. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. (laughs) Let's all go to the lobby. Get ourselves some snacks. I think your clips are in the wrong order here, Ryan, just so you know. Um. The uh, the set, let's also get the uh, the second clip here, too, that's in the bottom of the 23-second one, Sheldon. No ticket stop needed for a tub of movie theater popcorn. AMC is expanding its buttery business outside of theaters. The company says its popcorn will be available in to-go packages for takeout or pickup. You can also pick up an order via delivery service. Pre-packaged bags will also be available at supermarket chains. And AMC plans to open five of its perfectly popcorn stores or mall kiosks in the first part of next year. Okay. So that's from CBS Boston. Um, well, not the let's all go to the lobby. That was just for fun. Um, mm-hmm. so now the first part of next year is now from that clip. So here's what happened. Yeah. AMC, this is American story, but we can, we're going to talk about Canada in a second. So AMC is a huge company, huge and they needed money through the pandemic, of course, to get through all of the things. They did a bunch of work on their shares and sold off a bunch of stuff, and now they uh, fundraised a bunch of cash, so they've got to rebuild what their business looks like. Now, are people going to be going to the movies based on ticket sales and everything that's been happening now? They're not quite back to where they were, but as things have started to reopen, more and more people like Ryan O'Donnell are going back to the movies. The movie chain AMC hired Ellen Kopikin who used to work for Frito-Lay. She's the new vice president of growth and strategy. It's all being done to recoup losses from the pandemic and use some of that cash flow they fundraised to grow the business. They're looking into partnerships. That's going to allow them to accept cryptocurrencies as payment. They're also looking to get popcorn into grocery stores so you can buy it. And I did hear another report that said AMC is also talking about going into kiosks in malls, ala Colonels does in Canada, to sell their popcorn to you everywhere you go. They're also talking about launching their own cryptocurrency, which is what everybody does, which is basically cryptocurrency has become a new phrase for reward program and <laughs> it's like Canadian Tire money. Like Canadian Tire was Canadian Tire to me was the original cryptocurrency. Mm. Cuz it was a pay, legitimate paper money and you, they would give you the money and it didn't grow in value like cryptocurrencies supposedly do based on demand, but that's what it is. People, These these companies are using cryptocurrencies as a reward program. Uh, that part don't get sucked into that part. It is, or it isn't a thing. It's just to become more expensive than Canadian tire money used to be. That's really all that boils down to. But that being said, popcorn, the most important part of this conversation, it is a massive high margin item that can make them a ton of money and they said, AMC said, we already make the best of all of the products. Why are we not selling it? Which I find funny because I remember an article from at least a decade ago, and I believe it was the president of AMC that had an interview. Now, I'm going to try and quote this from memory, and I might not get it quite right, but there was an interview with a movie magazine type place that had said, you know, with a downward turn in Hollywood and blockbuster movies is, uh, you know, does that change your look on business and his reply was you think we're part of the film industry we're not we're part of the food industry we play movies to bring people into our candy store and that's a different look at movie theaters now isn't it (laughs) Yup. smart business because they're the only store
0: that can charge how much was your popcorn this weekend right i got okay so i did you know me and my friend we did get the nerdy batman special edition cups which were ten dollars okay so plastic cup was it a plastic cup there plastic but there's a little batman statue on top of the lid so it's yeah. absolutely worth it
1: yes i was just asking because i was trying to make <laughs> yeah. a millennial green joke um, but okay
0: okay uh well the price was uh now i have my discount but i'm gonna do the math in my brain and it would have been without the upgrade uh it w- would have been yeah it would have been 40 dollars $40 altogether, and it was 55 with the cup upgrades it was fifty dollars. So yeah, it was forty dollars. You paid ten for two dollars popcorn. for a plastic cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh I know what I am. I know who I am. <laughs> but, I embrace it embracing no, love. It. Forty dollars. Now look, it's amazing popcorn, but isn't that? And they try to, you know, Cineplex popcorn is incredible, but they give you, a, you know, the free digital rental, which is nice. But I remember being able to go and see a movie by myself with get a large popcorn and a drink for ten bucks. That was fine. Forty dollars for two popcorns, not even larges. Come yep. on, come on.
1: Well, it, it speaks to all the things, though. I mean, they're not the only ones. I'm not going to defend oh, those prices from the movie theater, but I mean, A and W is like astronomical for their prices mm-hmm. today. Subway taking. I have two teenage kids, and if all three of us go to Subway to get subs, we're at forty five or fifty dollars for lunch. You can go to a pretty nice restaurant for fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. Right, so there's a uh, there's a lot of things that are wrong. I'm a capitalist, but there's a lot of things that are that are wrong right now in the world of uh, of selling things. Uh, how was Batman?
0: Oh my goodness! I'll talk about it a little more in Millennial, but uh, yeah, fantastic,
1: right. so good. Are you okay with? Should we do a little clip out of context here, right, and get this started?
0: Yeah, it's just some music to set the scene.
1: Oh, okay, well, I'll tell you what. Let's kill that are you okay thing here, Sheldon. Let's uh, set the scene here for what is happening in this next Are You Okay With? Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, are you okay with opening night?
0: Oh, Are we going back Heck to the yeah. theaters? Are we doing movies or live theaters in this one? Both. Whatever you want. Well, this this particular story is theater, but or is a movie. Wow, they're both theaters. This is about a movie. This is not a play. But that music is from a musical.
1: (laughs) Well, that's why I was a little confused there. I was like, hey, it's opening night. Raise the curtain. Turn Mm -hmm. up the lights. You know? Okay. Either way still going up. We get to go up. It's an exciting time going into the world to see the next big movie or a play is really a privilege in today's world. Like financially, it's actually a privilege. But moviegoers in Texas that wanted to catch the new Batman movie on opening night, they had a little surprise guest. Now, who do you think would show up, be amazing to show up at a Batman screening that would impress everybody and surprise them? Who? Pick one. Who? Who?
0: Uh I saw a guy dressed up as Batman when I saw it. So I would say they probably had a guy in a Batman costume.
1: You think that that would be the the ultimate secret, you know, guest to show up at a Batman screening would be Batman?
0: It's a little It's a little basic. Let's go deep yeah. like Mr. Freeze. That'd be cool. Oh. Not Batman. Go deep cut.
1: Well, that's almost what happened except it was a bat. No man, just a bat, a real bat showed up at the movie.
2: Some North Austin moviegoers got an extra crime-fighting surprise during their screening of the newest Batman movie. Check this out. It's from uh, one of our viewers. You can see a bat flying around inside the theater. According to the viewer who sent us this video, management tried to catch it, didn't have any luck. We're told that the theater did offer everyone a refund, but a lot of people didn't take it. A majority of the crowd stuck around, uh, bat and
1: all. Wow. Oh. Nice. Um that's from KXAN news the theater told KXAN that they believe the uh, guest tried to pull a prank to ensure oh. a prank like this does not happen again we'll be adding additional security and checking <laughs> all the bags upon guest entry um that's what the GM said so just so you know if there is a bat which i saw a bat once it was the creepiest thing ever uh yes. here's how you don't react to a bat courtesy of AB or NBC's the office okay ladies and gentlemen what
0: we have here is a bird that has been trapped in event Fortunately, I have found it before. But, yeah!
1: but, but, but! Goodbye. Okay.
0: <laughs> so
1: <laughs> I went and I took the patio. I had a patio table and a patio umbrella. Mm-hmm. And it was the sort of the uh, springtime I've been having been nice out and was really one of the so it' probably been nice for about six weeks, really nice enough to take the umbrella out. I opened up the uh, took the umbrella, I opened up the umbrella in the middle of the afternoon, thump
0: on the ground a bat. <laughs> no, that's that's creepy. If you just see a bat so, flying around, that's one thing, but that's terrifying.
1: He was uh I'm assuming he was sleepy, obviously groggy, and it was daylight, so I didn't know what to do. And then his arm stretched out. You could see how thin the skin was? I'm like, mm-hmm. What am I gonna do? Like I can't touch it. So I went and got the shovel. And then I gently slid it under the bat. Come on, you guys. Okay,
0: good. I I didn't whack it.
1: I slid it under the bat and I walked to the backyard and I lived on a golf course at the time. So I walked in and I over the fence, I kind of just tossed it. Like, just like, here you go, Mm -hmm. big fella, be free. I sort of just tossed him over the fence and he went thud on the other side and then he crawled underneath the tree where it was shade. And then I was like, all right, that's cool. Just a bat. And I walked around and I was was married at the time and I, I, I put the shovel down. I was cool, calm, and collected. I started mm-hmm. to walk around the side of the house, and then I got to the side of the house, and the heebie jeebies hit me. I was like, Wah! "I was exactly <laughs> like that clip from NBC's The yeah, Office." Just hit you. I was like, "There was a bat. There was a bat in the yard. Oh my god! Oh, I got it! I freaked right out. It was the worst. I tried to be macho, and I almost hung on, man. Almost did not work. Almost."